Hello, everyone, and welcome to OHSCA Interviews. I'm Vincenzo Calla, and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, I'm happy to have with me the MP for Abbotsford, the Honorable Ed Fast. Ed was first elected to represent Abbotsford in 2006 and has been re-elected five times since then. Prior to his election, Ed practiced corporate and commercial law in Abbotsford for 24 years. On May 18, 2011, former Prime Minister Stephen Harper appointed Ed to his cabinet to serve as the Minister for International Trade, where he created many free trade agreements with many nations. In 2015, Ed became Canada's longest serving trade minister. Ed currently serves as the Shadow Minister for Innovation, Science and Industry. Thank you, Ed, for your time and thanks for joining us. Good to be on your show. We're great to have you, and we're going to start off with our first. Uh, our, we're going to start off the interview with our question and answer segment. And all these questions are asked by our high school members from across Ontario and across the nation. So the first question is one of the questions that I came up with, which is, "What is your favorite part about being the MP for Abbotsford?" Well, uh, it's easy to talk about serving the community and. Uh, getting involved in public service. But for me, uh, the joy of serving Abbotsford is that it is the most generous community in the country. In fact, Abbotsford for many years now, every year is named the most generous census metropolitan area in the country. And we're actually the most generous by a country mile compared to the next most generous. So. We have a giving community, one that is chock full of volunteers. Uh, just so you know a little bit about Abbotsford, we're nestled between majestic Mount Baker, which is 10,000 feet high, fully glaciated, spectacular. And on the other side is the mighty Fraser River, the biggest river in British Columbia, which right now is close to flooding its banks because of heavy rain that's happened over the last uh, 24 hours. But we live in this beautiful spot. It's a farming area. We call it the city in the country because there's a very significant uh, urban and suburban component to our community. But we're surrounded by farmland and by majestic mountains and rivers, a beautiful place to live. And of course, serving a very generous community. Well, Abbotsford, is, it, when you think about the, the nature around it, it's sort of showing the whole nature of Canada, how diverse Canada is in terms of nature. I mean, in media, there's often portrayed, I guess, Toronto, which is just another big city, but then there's the north and then the, the prairies. And then you have BC and Abbotsford where, where there's the mountains, like you said, in the, the, um, the, the waters. And it's just so great to remember that Canada is such a diverse nation with so much, so much environment. And uh, as well as you were saying, very generous place it it must be great to be an mp for such a a great city which is a pretty big community it is um and the other benefit of living in abbotsford is we actually live one hour from arguably the most beautiful city in the world vancouver um, we resist attempts to call us a su suburb of vancouver but we're very close to being a suburb without being a suburb and we have this incredibly beautiful city and the Pacific Ocean right at our doorstep. And yet we still have the beauty of being part of uh, a farming community 
that has a bit of a more laid back lifestyle. So I'm very privileged to live here. A great, uh, it sounds like a great place for sure and a great place to be an MP. So the second question is from Jack in Milton, and he asks, what were the keys to success that helped you get in the, uh, get elected in this tough election? It was such a tough election. So what were the keys that brought you success? Well, I'm glad to hear a question from Milton, the home uh, of my former colleague, Lisa Raitt. So uh, glad to hear the question. Uh, this was a really difficult election we just came through. And by far, it's the strangest election I've had because most of my time during the campaign was spent uh, trying to explain to my residents what our conservative position on vaccine mandates was. Um, we have made it very clear that we believe that vaccines are uh, the most effective tool in fighting the pandemic. At the same time, we've also said that we encourage Canadians to get vaccinated, but we do believe that because there are alternatives available to ensure that unvaccinated people are not a risk to their communities, things like rapid tests, that to the greatest degree possible, governments and businesses should use those alternatives to help the unvaccinated continue to live life reasonably normally. And uh, that is a balance that I don't believe uh, Justin Trudeau has figured out. I wish he had been someone who could bring us together during this election and during this pandemic rather than divide us. And yet we see Canadians are so hopelessly divided right now. Um, it's very unfortunate because I thought governments across Canada had an opportunity to bring our great nation together and uh, they have failed. Well, I mean, Justin Trudeau says a lot, and we've seen in the past six years that he says a lot, but at the same time, doesn't take action on his words. And the Conservative Party had such a strong platform. We had a strong platform saying vaccines are the number one tool, but if for what reason you can't take one, we have this other alternative, but this is like last thing. Whereas Trudeau seems to think that he can, I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but he says one thing and then he creases, creates mass confusion and it just gets really complicated. So I think that that's something that Canadians will have to see now, especially uh, as things are getting back to normal, to see what Trudeau's position is, what his position truly is, and to see what it is. And definitely was a, a hurdle for us during the election and continues to be a hurdle for our party. Well, you've certainly put your finger on one of the major weaknesses of our prime minister. That is that Justin Trudeau will likely go down in history as Canada's great promise breaker. He loves to make promises and virtue signal, but he's very, very poor at delivering on the promises that he makes. I believe that goes to character. I believe he believes that he can get away with making promises and then not delivering on them because often those promises are so far down the road, he knows he won't be around to have to justify why he didn't actually fulfill those promises. Things like uh, our Paris targets, our climate change targets, which were actually established by Stephen Harper. And uh, Justin Trudeau said, oh, they're not stringent enough. And yet today we are not on track to even meet those targets. 
And then by virtue signaling, our prime minister says, I'm going to increase those targets to 40%. And then he says, and I'm going to top that by promising that I'm going to deliver net zero emissions by 2050. Well, everyone knows he won't be around in 2050. He knows he can make that promise. No worry about fulfilling, uh, fulfilling that promise. And that is a fundamental flaw in our prime minister's character that he is prepared to make promises that he knows full well he'll never be able to live up to. It's easy to say and easier to not act on it when it won't be impacting you in the short term. But unfortunately, things like he promised like electoral reform, things he promised like yeah. indigenous water long-term bans, uh, long-term drinking water advisories. Sure, a lot of them were solved, but there's still a whole ton more that still haven't been fixed. So that's a big issue. And there's so many issues that Trudeau promised that unfortunately didn't happen and won't happen and will just cause us more harm further down the line. So we're going to go into the next question, which sort of reflects on your experiences in the Harper cabinet. So the third question is, how can you use your experiences as the former Minister of International Trade, as an opposition shadow minister, and just a, an opposition MP in general, just thinking about the things that you went through in government? Well, one of the key roles of a trade minister is to develop trusted relationship with the key stakeholders across industry in Canada to identify what are the export priorities of industry in Canada? What are the major challenges facing exporters as they try to do business on the global stage? And so over four and a half years of being trade minister, I was able to develop many trusted relationships with the very industry stakeholders that I now will have to engage with again in my new role as industry shadow critic. And so I'm very pleased that I've had this opportunity now to go back to focusing on relationship building and finding out from industry, what is it that is going to restore our economy back to its former luster? In other words, how do we get economic growth going again? How do we ad address the, the inflationary pressures that we face? How do we address the supply chain challenges we have from around the world and that are exacerbated in Canada by poor policy making. So that's a challenge I face and uh, looking forward to it. Well, I mean, especially now that you have that experience and the numbers of former cabinet ministers in the, in, in the Conservative caucus are dwindling. And now it's time for, it's time to sort of use those experiences that you got while in government to like you said, to expand on those relationships and give an opposition voice to those those industries that feel like they may not be getting everything out of the government that they would hope to be or getting the representation in government that they hope to be. And it's just important now that you get to, again, build on those relationships and uh, just take what you learned in government and figure out, hey, how can I use it? How Like, what can I remember? I guess you can probably explain it better than I can now that you're the been a shadow minister for a bit. And now you're a shadow minister again. Uh, just remembering the struggles that maybe you went through during a, a, a minister as the minister and sort of remembering those and uh, I guess posing your your questions and prompts as a shadow minister to uh, in, in that light. Well, yeah, you, you, you've correctly stated that um, I am well positioned to 
understand the challenges that uh, stakeholders in our across industry are going to face going forward. One of the things that uh, has become very clear to those in the business sector is that Canada has some key systemic economic weaknesses. Uh, we haven't done comprehensive tax reform for many, many decades. And we as conservatives are strongly promoting a comprehensive tax reform to make sure that our tax system is responsive, that it is fair, and that it places Canada in the best competitive position in the world so that we can begin to attract investment again from abroad. We have had record investment flight from Canada over the last six years under this Liberal government because the world has lost its confidence in Canada's ability to get things done. Whether it's building pipelines, whether it's developing natural resource projects, whether it's providing the kind of confidence that we are going to be an innovation economy and uh, harness the strength of our education system to deliver high value services. The world has said, you know what? Canada is no longer a place we want to do business in. We're going to go elsewhere. We need to restore our country's reputation as being a fantastic place to invest in. And that's going to require some very significant changes to how we do business in Canada. It's going to require policy changes at the federal level. And obviously, we're going to provide input to the government. I'm going to provide input to my counterpart, Minister Champagne, uh, to make sure that these systemic challenges are addressed properly, that we restore Canada's economic health. Well, and what better time to do it now, now than ever, considering now that we're, we're um, recovering from the pandemic, now that we're recovering from the pandemic, this is a better time more than ever to, to be able to bounce back and bring industry back to Canada and and uh, rebuild upon the losses that we've suffered in the past six years. And unfortunately, there has been a lot of losses suffered. Uh, the economy, especially now we're seeing with inflation, the economy is in disrepair, especially uh, coming out of the pandemic. And I think it's important now that as opposition, now that it's important that more important than ever to, to try and provide solutions from your side to the government and try and get things done, uh, especially now, now that there's going to be shorter periods of time that you're in House of Commons now, a couple weeks before you go on to Christmas break, right after you go from um, from resume, resuming the house on the 22nd of November. So in a couple, uh, next week at the time of this filming, and by the time this comes out, it'll be already in session again. It's it's important that in the time that you do have to be able to, to expand upon it. And as the right honourable Prime Minister says, Canada's back, but apparently he hasn't understood that it really isn't. And our party knows that. And I'm sure a lot of other people know that Canada isn't back and there's still a lot to be done to get Canada back on track to, to where it was originally. So the fourth question comes from Vasu in Ajax. And he asks, what experience do you bring to being the shadow minister for innovation, science and industry? And how can you apply it to the people of your riding? So the, what you, you're gonna be learning as the shadow minister for innovation. Well, my experience obviously is primarily on the trade side and uh, 
uh, even though my community is a farming community, it's also a manufacturing community. And we have many very successful business people who export their product around the world. They export machines. They export things like garage doors across North America. And making sure that we're sensitive to their needs is absolutely critical. My disappointment is that the Liberal government hasn't actually been listening to businesses across Canada. The best that Justin Trudeau could do was call small businesses tax cheats. That's no way of building confidence within the business sector. And we know that right now, one of the biggest challenges facing Canadians, facing Canadian businesses, are the inflationary pressures that are being brought to bear, not only here in Canada, but around the world, especially in North America, where we're seeing the fact that supply chains from around the world have been severely compromised and have got significant constraints in that are undermining our ability to get products into and out of our country in a timely way. That's undermining the efficiency of our economy, the uh, competitiveness of our economy. I've uh, talked to businessmen, manufacturers who are saying, listen, we can't get containers anymore. We're paying, rather than paying $1,500 for a container, we're paying $15,000 for a container. Now we have to increase our prices because of these, this shortage of containers. In other words, fueling inflation even more. And I've seen no plan from the prime minister to actually concretely address the inflationary pressures we have within Canada. The biggest thing that we can do right now as a country is to stop borrowing and spending. My colleague, Pierre Polyev, of course, has been on top of that file. He's recently appointed to be the finance critic in my place. And he's made a point driving home the message that inflation is undermining the value of our dollar. In other words, the dollar that the average Canadian earns is buying them less and less and less because of inflation. He's calling it the inflation tax. You know, for the most part, he's right. By undermining our ability to buy goods at the same price we could yesterday, we're compromising the ability of families to afford their homes, to put groceries on the table, to put gas in their car. This is a crisis, and it's all being driven by poor policy at the federal level and also global supply chain constraints that are really impacting economies around the world. Well, those are all great points, and especially now we see it in our communities. I mean, we see it at the local businesses that that we go to. I mean, I was shopping at some stores, and the prices are in. in incredible i mean it's it's insane how how much everything is going up and it's become a topic at family dinners and a topic and even in school i mean even now some of my my friends have been talking and we've been talking about how much everything is costing and it's and it's impacting everybody and i think before we go on to the last question i think it's just important to remember and that with I mean, Canada is a nation where there's so many ideas, so many manufacturing, so many, uh, like under your category, so much innovation. And that starts right in our communities, starts right in the, our own small business and 
businesses and giving a voice to them, especially as opposition. And, and I guess going back to your colleague, Pierre Polyev, it goes back to his simple message of make more cost less paychecks, not debt. It's, it's important of getting Canada's economy back on track. And I know that it's a global issue, but there are things that we can do to start to tackle inflation, no matter if it's small things or big things, there's things Canada can do. So we're going to be moving on to advice for the next generation, where we'll talk about youth involvement in politics and more. So the question we ask everybody is, what should young high school conservatives do in order to get more politically active? And what is one piece of advice that you would give them? Well, the one piece of advice I would give them, having now spent well over 30 years in the field of politics, is uh, never forget to be humble. Humility is a trait that is often lacking amongst politicians. Um, remember, government can't solve all of the world's problems. And human beings don't always get it right. So we as politicians also be willing to acknowledge when we get it wrong and to course correct and make sure that we have the right policies in place that are going to create a more prosperous future for the next generations of Canadians that are coming along and also a safer future for the global economy, um, making sure that we address the environmental challenges that are going to keep us healthy and safe. So um, my advice is to the next generation is make sure that your motives for getting involved in public service are the right ones, that they are rooted in the humble heart, that they are fleshed out uh, in an environment of integrity, understanding that your commitment as a public servant, whether it's on the political side, on the government side, on the NGO side, that that commitment is one that's rooted in service, in um, a servant heart. And uh, I don't find that enough out there. Too many people put ambition ahead of the public interest. And if we can get that right and move public interest back to the top and develop a new generation of servant leaders, uh, I think we'll be doing a great service for future generations. Well, those are all important things. And <laughs> this is my weekly reminder. I've bringing this up, I'm bringing this up in almost every interview now, and I'm sure people will be tired of it that I'm a broken record sometimes, but the role of an MP, a role of an MPP, a role of an MLA, a role of a councillor, a role of a mayor, a role of any politician or elected official is to serve the people that elected them. And like you said, it's just so important to, to acknowledge that you work for the people and that everybody, that I guess everybody deserves a voice and that you are that voice for everybody no matter who voted for you or, or not in the past elections it's important especially as an MP and to stay and like you said stay humble stay uh, no matter what position you are whether you're just a backbencher MP or whether you're um, a cabinet minister or whether you're the prime minister to remember that there are people that rely on you there are people that depend on you and depend on your government and depend on you as what you're doing in your role and just to stay humble and remember that we're all Canadians at the end of the day and we're all living in this great country and we can all and that you're serving them and that everybody has their own needs that you can help them in whatever way that you can small or big 
avoid blind ambition, rather go for principled servant leadership. That would be my uh, challenge to your generation that is now looking at what life might look for uh, look like going forward. And I encourage them all to uh, plug into areas of service that are going to reflect that servant leadership. And to the many conservatives that you are now connecting with, I would encourage them to get involved in the Conservative Party of Canada and get involved in your local riding associations. Um, help out on election campaigns, volunteer, and beyond just politics, volunteer in the community because there's no better way of proving to your community that you're worthy of their support and perhaps someday their vote than actually delivering by being involved in service, volunteering regularly without uh, asking for you know, remuneration or any gain. And that's the way you prove yourself. And um, I would encourage all of your team that you work with and those you're reaching out to, uh, Vincenzo, to look at that as a model for going forward. That's a perfect way to end off the interview. And change, big change, small change starts with you. So that is it. We hope you enjoyed today's interview. Look, You can look for more videos and uh, interviews coming soon. Make sure to follow our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok accounts at OntarioHSCons for info about our next interview and for more great content. Make sure to look, look at our website at OntarioHSConservatives.org to learn more about us, to see our projects, and for more great content. For our YouTube viewers, make sure to like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and don't forget the, to click the notification bell so you never miss a video. For our podcast listeners, make sure to follow us and stay updated with new episodes. We hope to see you all soon.